Today, I had a really fun conversation with Mary Luce Cook. She is the reigning Miss Utah USA 2023. She's also a local sports broadcaster here in Utah and has done a lot of amazing things in that area. We had a great conversation about mental health. We had conversations about how we can help our young students and just all the things that she's been up to. Can't wait for you to take a listen. Let's get proximate. Welcome back to First Lady and Friends. I'm so excited about this episode. Um, it, we have today Mary Luce, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about your whole bio. But welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. Glad to be here. So excited. I think most people know who you are. I think you know you've if they if they don't know you by name, they know you by your face and what you've been able to do um, in the state. Which is anybody that's been anywhere near sports, I think in Utah <laughs> knows who you are. So I'm I'm super excited. I'll talk a little bit about you, but I want you to do most of it. But you've you've been a sports broadcaster. You you were the host for the NBA All Star Weekend, which was amazing. So fun. Um, you've done stuff with the Grizzlies, and you know, of course, a side reporter for KSL TV um, among other things so let's let's talk about that let's let's before we dive into all your all the crazy things that you do <laughs> you you are everywhere um let's talk about you where did you grow up yeah I'm originally from South Florida so born and raised in West Palm Beach Florida near mm-hmm. the beach so I have to say in the winter when I get to go home for Thanksgiving yeah. and Christmas I'm very thankful because all my family is still in Florida but Utah is home now I've been here a little over four years and so I moved out here for work my first full-time job in sports broadcasting which was with the Big Sky Conference as their director of broadcast and digital media so I moved here January 2020 great time Ugh. to move across yeah. the country yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, it's it's been great. It's been great. So originally from South Florida, but Utah is home for me now. Yeah. So talk a little bit about your growing up in South Florida, about your family, and um, you know just you know what what it was like there, and yeah, a little bit more about that transition. Yeah. Well, aside from it being very warm, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Christmas is by the beach. Yeah. Um, I come from a really interesting background. So my mom was born in Havana, Cuba, and immigrated to the U.S. in 1970. You know, her family came to the U.S. for just a better life and more opportunity. Yeah. Opened up a business that's still in existence in mm-hmm. Palm Beach County, a flower shop and bridal shop and so it's been cool to see you know it was her her mom her sister and my my grandfather my abuelito and my abuelita my grandmother that moved over from Cuba and then my dad he was born in Ohio Um, and so he comes from a predominantly German and Irish background but not as in touch with his roots as I would say my mom was but what was really cool about growing up in South Florida for me was that there were so many other people who were Cuban and just uh, so many other different you know Hispanic cultures and so I was really Really in touch with that uh, throughout my entire life. I had a quinceanera to celebrate mm-hmm. my fifteenth birthday and the the whole shebang. So it was really cool uh, just getting to to be around that culture. And now being here, I've met a few Cubans, but not a ton. And so what's really been cool is just being a leader in sports, uh, just as a member of the Hispanic community, getting to tell people about my culture who haven't necessarily experienced it. Like one of the cool things that I love um, is on New Year's, we eat 12 grapes uh, for good luck. And so I've done that every year with my friends here and just getting to share my culture with them has been really special. But growing up in South Florida, I'd say just it was really cool to everything that my mom had experienced up until the point that she moved over to the U.S. to have so many of those traditions and cultures just constantly reinforced around me and then to get to bring them here has been really cool. Yeah, I 
love that you you talk about bringing them here. Um, I think, uh, you know, we we actually have a, a large uh, Hispanic mm-hmm. population yeah. here in the state. People don't realize. Um, gosh, I want to. I don't know the exact numbers, but I want to say it's around fifteen to seventeen percent um, in our population. So mm-hmm. it's it's a significant portion of our of our citizens. One hundred percent. Not probably as many Cubans. No, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, which is great. <laughs> but a lot of you know a lot of uh, Central and South Americans, mm-hmm. which we love. Yeah. And um, so I love the idea of you bringing your bringing the culture that you grew mm-hmm. up with. Um, here and sharing it. It's like my favorite thing. I love the idea of just sharing different cultural Mm -hmm. traditions and it just, I think it makes us all better. Um, So then, so you, so you, you decided to move here in 2020. What's your first thought when you think, okay, I'm going to look at a job in Utah. What's your first, I know people have impressions about Utah. (laughs) So talk about your impressions of what you thought, kind of like what, what you thought versus the reality of what, what you've experienced here. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because in sports broadcasting, you move wherever the opportunity is. And so many people end up in a tiny, small town and their first job in a small market. And so I consider myself very fortunate that I got to come to Salt Lake City. But it's funny when I applied for the job out of college, I applied for 72 different jobs in sports broadcasting. So I was applying for stuff all the time. And the job that I ended up getting with the Big Sky Conference, their headquarters are in Farmington. It was the job that I thought I was least likely to get. And but again, I was applying for so many different things that when I got a call from the hiring manager, she had a Texas number. So I was thinking, oh, I'm going to Texas. You know, that's that's where I'll go. And then I realized upon doing more research and really diving into what the Big Sky Conference was that it was in Utah. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool too. Like, I remember whenever I would type in like my my favorite website, google.com slash flight explore, <laughs> I would see Salt Lake City and I would see the beautiful picture of the mountain. So that's what I was envisioning. I came out and interviewed in December. So as you can imagine, it was beautiful and snowy here. And I, when I came here, I really, in terms of just anything aside from the mountains, really just didn't have any expectations coming in. Okay. I get here. The flight in was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I'll never forget just when my hiring manager, she picked me up from the airport and we're driving through downtown Salt Lake. And I was like, oh, I see myself here. I just had this feeling that I knew. And this was before I had a job offer. I just knew I knew that this was going to be my home. And so um, it was one of those things. I just I every single time I to this day, when I walk out of a grocery store and I see the mountains, I want to pinch myself. I always said that I wanted to be in a city where I could walk and I could hike. Um, So I consider myself very lucky to be in downtown Salt Lake. It's so walkable. And then to be able to hike and just explore the outdoors. I mean, it's been everything that I could hope for and more, really. So really didn't have a ton of expectations coming in. And uh, Utah, especially just as somebody who loves the outdoors, it really it's exceeded my expectations. The people here have been so kind, the nicest people ever, just to know that I'm in a city where I I just I feel safe. I feel so safe here. And I know that people have my back. It's just it's great. It's great. Awesome. I love it. I'm so glad that that's been your experience. Um, It's funny. I you think about you know, people, I always, we were just recently in Denver and no, nothing against Denver or Colorado, mm-hmm. but I'm always amazed that people, I think people fly into Salt Lake and are surprised of, of the mountains, like how yeah. close they are. Oh and gosh. I think people fly into Colorado expecting to see that mm-hmm. and into Denver specifically. Yeah. And then 
it looks more like Kansas. Right. So <laughs> yes, like, that is true. <laughs> I'm always telling people, don't, don't ski in, don't ski in Colorado. Come nah, to you. Yeah, like, come you to tell you. us where it's at. So have you been skiing? Are you, have oh, you okay. learned well, how to ski? Um, I did. Okay. So my aunt and uncle, they live in Arizona and I guess it's, the Icon Pass, right? Oh, yeah, the Park yeah. City. Icon Park Pass, City. Okay, yeah, so, for sure. So they were like, great, you're in Utah, you're coming skiing with us, and they're avid skiers, and so I go with them, and I fell in love. I really, really enjoyed it. Just, I think, to be able to get outside in the winter is critical. Just, oh, it's the greatest. And so I, I, I loved it. Uh, however, I tore my ACL. Oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> right of passage, I guess. So I'm still kind of on the mend. Um, so I'm in partial retirement right now, I would say. But uh, oh. we'll be back. We'll be back. Yes. But, but you know, that was that was on me. That's why they don't let athletes <laughs> ski. That's why it's usually in their contracts. I, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it feels kind of cool that, you know, I, at least when people are like, oh, well, what did you do? I have a cool story. I'm like, yeah. well, I was skiing. You know, it makes me sound <laughs> official. But, yes. So I, I'm dying to get back back into it and I will yeah, but uh yeah. I did at one so, point. So <laughs> I know I was gonna say so like was that because you're just learning and it was I, I people tell yeah. me that they're like I don't want to learn to ski. Yeah. I've heard so many th- horror stories. I mean my husband's one of them. Mm. He's like no thanks. And I'm like I don't know that I've ever been in a situation maybe because I'm such a like cautious mom skier. Okay. That like I've never had that moment where I was like I, I could like break my leg or run into a tree or something because I'm such a like just go yeah, down at good. a leisurely yeah. pace yeah. stay very much in bound have you been skiing for a long time though I mean I've skied since I was probably like 12 okay but okay. not like I'm not an avid skier like gotcha. I you know growing up we lived in central Utah so it was far away from everything mm-hmm. it cost a lot of money on a family of mm-hmm. 10 you know like it just didn't happen but once a year so really about once a year all through my teenage years and then okay. a little more in college and then you know as an adult I started it was a long time when I was having babies and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you know I'm like oh I could probably get back into this and started taking my my kids mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I've gotten back into it, but I'm kind of at the point where it, it's funny. I'm I'm at the point last year, my, right before my son got married, he, it's our tradition. Our birthdays are both in January and it was our tradition to just, he and I do a little ski trip. And, oh. um, and so last year, right before he got married in March, we did our last little ski trip as like the two oh. of us. And it was so fun. And he, it was that moment where I had this. You know, I'm, you know, you're kind of nostalgia for all the things that you're going to, you know, you're, it's your little boy. Yeah. He's getting married. And, yeah. and all of a sudden, like, he would be waiting for me at the bottom of the hill instead of the opposite. <laughs> and I was just having this moment where I'm like, the the roles have definitely reversed. Yeah. Here I am. Like, he's waiting for mom to come down instead of mom, like, you know, following yeah. behind and making sure he gets up. <laughs> so anyway, love skiing. Love it. Oh, so, cute. Okay, I'm glad you got, you're able to go skiing and we'll get yeah. back at it. Yeah, we'll be back at it. Yeah. yeah next season, sure. next, next season. season. I had FOMO last season. That was tough. <sighs> so good. That was tough. I love it. <laughs> so, okay. So you got here to Utah. Yep. And you've started, you were, you were at Big Sky, mm-hmm. uh, and then what? 
Well, uh, I ended up in arena hosting for the Utah Grizzlies doing that in addition to my job at the Big Sky Conference. And it was because I saw the job posted online. I knew it was just game days and it was evenings. And so I could do it in addition to my role at the Big Sky. And I never worked in hockey before, but I I always loved the sport of hockey. Uh, Well, I shouldn't say always. And I was introduced to it in college and loved it then. Um, And so I was like, wow, what a cool way to get to expand my skill set. I'd never done in arena hosting, but knew that my on-camera skills could definitely transfer over into that and um, it was something that scared me a little so I was like all right let's let's go ahead and do it like get out of my comfort zone and so applied for it and the next day I was offered the job and so that was great and and super fun so got involved with the Utah Grizzlies that led to the Utah Jazz finding me and then KSL and you know one thing led to another but um, yeah so I I since have left the big sky just because I had the Utah Grizzlies the Utah Jazz as an in arena host there KSL is a sports anchor and sideline reporter and other free Lance things. And so I was able to make all of those things work. And at one point I had five jobs at one time. So, you know, that's that was full time. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. So I, yeah. I have a, a lot better uh, work-life balance now, but, uh, but yeah, I, it was just seeing that job posted online and saying, Hey, I want to expand my skill set and work in hockey. It sounds fun. So did you, I mean, did you play sports? Mm. Did you, what, what's the, what's the connection with with sports, obviously, you must be have yeah. been an athlete. So, talk a little bit about that. I really wasn't a good one, but um, well, same. <laughs> I love it, but um, I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, my brother's a really gifted athlete. He plays baseball, and then going back to being Cuban, a love for baseball has always just been a part of me. Um, I think I'd probably be disowned if I didn't love the sport of baseball. So, my brother, he's a year younger than me, and always has just been very, very gifted. And at a certain point, um, when he was in, it was probably t-ball for him. I was just talking too much at his baseball games and my parents were like, okay, well, we're going to put this kid in sports too. So they put me in little league baseball. I'm the only girl on the team and um, I wasn't very good. And so I I did that. And then I I tried softball because I wanted to play with girls, still wasn't good at that. But I I did cheerleading and I did tennis in high school. And truly, when I tell you I wasn't a good athlete, I was on varsity tennis for three years and I never won a match. (laughs) And we had a really good team. Like our team won state. I don't know why I was there, but I was a good team player. You know, I was there for the support. Um, And so I just always was around sports. The conversations at the dinner table in my home were always about sports. So always loved them and did a lot of observing just as someone who wasn't good at them, but loved being there. And uh, and so for me, actually, when I started college, I thought I was going to be a prosecuting attorney uh, just because I love people. I love their stories. And for me, that was just that that to me seemed like a good fit. My mom is an interpreter. And so she was always in the courtroom interpreting and I love Dateline. And I was like, oh, okay, all these things. And then I'm, I got asked to do an internship for our athletics department. And I was like, okay, you know, I love sports. And it, for me, it was just fun. I was asked to do on camera stuff and it was like, the rest was history. I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, I can make a career out of this. So really it was just a love for sports. And then taking the things from the career I initially thought I wanted, just communication and people's stories and real realizing that I could have a, you know, I'll say a much lighter life. I I also did an internship for the state attorney in Florida and I was going to homicide trials every day and it wasn't as light for me. So I think sports, I I love the way that they bring levity to people. And again, just getting to highlight people's stories is it's just I love that. I mean, that's exactly what you're doing here. You get that. I mean, yeah, I I actually share that love. I share a love of, you know, just listening to people's stories. And and I share a love of sports. I I mean, same thing. I mean, I grew up 
My dad loved football. My mm-hmm. dad played football. My brothers played football. Mm-hmm. My my sister, my oldest sister said, none of you are going to, you know, and there's eight uh, girls. And so we all were like, she's like, you're absolutely not going to do dance or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You're going to play sports. So we all did. Yeah. <laughs> we just followed our big sister and did what she told <laughs> us to do. So we were all into sports. My dad loved it. So I, I do. I love I love the combination that you talked about of of stories yeah. and and being able to share the love of sports and what mm-hmm. sports does for me mm-hmm. especially was and I think for everybody is just that that you know coming together totally connections I I, I was having this moment because my husband and I have been talking a lot about you know polarization and the problem mm-hmm. with polarization political polarization in our country and even mm-hmm. in our state and I. You know, I thought about I was sitting there watching uh, an NFL football game and it was chippy and there was some, you know, back and forth stuff. And and I, you know, we watch a lot of football, which mm-hmm. a lot of everything. But um, I sat there watching it. And at the end, after the game's over, the hugs, the high fives from the other team, you know, the coaches always meet at, at midfield and 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 congratulate each other yeah. or whatever and then and same with players who just like were fighting mm-hmm. like literally like fighting with each other and then all of a sudden at the end of the game when it's over everybody's like you know one team's obviously happier than the other mm-hmm. but they're coming together they're hugging they're having conversations and I was just like thinking about that in relation to the political polarization we're having yes we're gonna have battles yes we're gonna disagree yes we're gonna have you know be on different sides of an issue and somehow we've got to follow the example of our sports yes, stars. That's a beautiful analogy. <laughs> that's good. Like we have to do this. And yeah. I think that's what's so powerful about sports is it really mm-hmm. does bring people together. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. So I want to talk a little bit more about your journey and mm-hmm. some other things that you've been up to. And we'll yeah. do that when we come right back. Awesome. We're back here on First Lady and Friends. We have the one, the only Mary Lou's Cook, um, the sports extraordinaire. I don't know. What, I mean, <laughs> wow. a, a sports broadcaster, um, in, in-game host, mm-hmm. sideline reporter, mm-hmm. all the things that you've been able to do in, in the, your short time here in Utah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about we were off off mic. We were talking about the NBA. Yeah, we both love the NBA. Yes, um, I'm a big time NBA, and you know Spencer's huge into NBA. Yeah, um, we only have one. Prof- well, we have two professional teams. We have our our um, our soccer mm-hmm. and our basketball, and and it's and we're you know there's in the works mm-hmm. that there might be some other things yes. going on, which we're really excited about, um, but. The NBA is is really unique yeah. and and really special, and I want to I want you to talk about All Star Weekend. Oh my goodness! Because it was, I mean, it's a huge opportunity. Oh I mean, yeah, thirty years in between the last time we hosted. Oh, yeah, um, it doesn't happen very often, mm-hmm. and you know, have the whole world here. And I I don't think I realized you know what a big deal it was yeah. to host until it was here mm-hmm. and all the things that went on. So talk about your involvement, how it went, all the things that happened, maybe some inside stories. What, what have you got? <laughs> Spill the tea. Absolutely, uh, I love this question because I actually I was speaking to some students today at Corner Canyon High School, and I I was taking them through some of my career highlights, most of which have happened here because the you know the majority of my career really it's it's taken place here in Utah and. 
And one of the things that I, you know, I, I picked out as one of the most notable things that I've gotten to do was All-Star Weekend. So the NBA selected hosts from around the league for All-Star Weekend. And so I was really excited to be selected to host uh, Rising Stars on Friday night. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then um, All-Star Saturday night. And what was really cool was that I would say maybe there were about 10 hosts from around the NBA who were here. So I reached out to all of them, some of whom had done NBA All-Star multiple times. And it was so cool to get to connect with other people who do the same job as me for the jazz, right, in arena hosting. Some of the experiences you have are just very unique, like fans trying to take away your mic. or they, you know, like, And it's just to be, able to, to be able to laugh about those kinds of things together. All that together. awkward situation while the cameras on you and you're like what do I do it's so funny because you know like being in studio and being a sports anchor okay it's you and you know maybe a floor manager and and somebody helping with the camera and so when you're in arena and there's 20,000 fans in the Delta Center it's just a different experience you know and so it was really cool to get to connect with all of them and they shared with me uh, that no other host had done that in their host city before where they had organized a dinner for everyone so it was so cool and at that point I had been in Utah over three years and I really had this this ownership and this pride for my state. So it was really cool. I made a guide for, I had it on my website just for fans who were coming in or for the host, just that my favorite restaurants, my favorite coffee shops, my favorite parks to go on walks. And so it was so cool to just get to share those things with people. And I didn't get to do a ton of seeing how busy, you know, downtown Salt Lake was and just the state in general, because I was mostly in rehearsals the whole time. I mean, it was the whole week of All Star. I was in rehearsals. I didn't really see the light of day very much, but it was great. It was so fun. Everybody was so energetic, so passionate to be amongst the best of the best in every single area, the best players, the best coaches, some of the best hosts in the in the country. It was really cool and really inspiring and really challenged me that I was like, oh, okay, here are the here are the ways I can challenge myself and get better. Um, I have to say for me, so being from South Florida, I grew up on Miami Heat basketball. And so for me, it was really cool to me. I met Shaquille O'Neal and he he was one of my childhood heroes. I mean, who doesn't love yeah. the guy? Yeah. And he was just, he was so funny. He picked me out and called me over to talk to him Aww. and he had no idea I was from South Florida. And so I had multiple conversations with him throughout the weekend. And for me, that was the highlight. I don't really get starstruck too often, but he was someone that I, I, I was shaking a little bit when I met him. So that was really cool. But for me, my favorite part really was getting to meet the other hosts from around the league. That was really cool. And then getting to show them my city. Yeah. I was I, so proud. You know, I again, I haven't been to another All-Star mm-hmm. weekend because, you know, I just haven't done that. We've we've just but having it here, the experiences that we had here were really incredible. I mean, yeah. my favorite thing, two of my favorite things that happened, and I, and I just have to congratulate the NBA on the on their outward looking. I think that's very Utah centric. You know, that's it, it feels very Utah to to do the service project that we did with the big, huge, you know, packing of meals, mm-hmm. which was amazing. And then you had, I mean, we had Dwayne Wade there, and we yeah. had some of the the folks there that were really. You know, and so it, it just made it very special. And then, of course, dear to my heart was um, uh, Sam Perkins, who was involved in 
uh, Special Olympics. And so we had mm. a Special Olympics unified uh, basketball games with the, with our athletes, with our Special Olympics athletes. And so I talked to Sam Perkins a while and, you know, talk about his advocacy for, mm. for Special Olympics, which was really cool. So I just loved that, of course, you're there for the players in the games. And then, oh, and then one more thing is that we they, they chose one of our Utah charities for foster care, our Raise the Future organization that I work with all the time to be one of the for the um, practice when they when they come oh. in and practice and they have their teams. And so um, I have to say, Giannis was so cute with oh. the kids. He sat there and talked to the kids. And so we have these these um, kids that are in foster care. And they, this is a population where they are. Um, you know, they they don't have permanent placement. Mm. And so they he the one kid he's sat there and talked to and I just cried. Oh. He just said he said the kid said, I'm so nervous to go out there. And he said, don't worry, I get nervous, too. Oh. It was so sweet. I'm oh. telling you, he changed lives. Like, oh, my. oh he I was bet. so he was so engaged with those kids. Um, and I've never seen, you know, any player be like that oh, to, cool. to these special kids. Anyway, so th- it was so great. I, I absolutely loved it. But Love OK, that. so you're not only are you doing all of this and you've been amazing. And I love that you um, you were so kind to um, you spoke at our show up teachers conference. Yeah. And um, you introduced our keynote, Arthur Brooks, mm-hmm. who we loved. And so um, so you're. You talked a little bit about this, but you're you're very comfortable in front of people. I, I yeah. what I mean, have you been scared? A lot of people that is so scary to them. If I say to if I say I'm going to speak at this thing, people freak out. They're like, oh my gosh, that would make me so nervous. Yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> so I and it does mm-hmm. to me, but it's something that you if you but have you always been this comfortable? Um, and, and where did you learn these, these skills? Yeah. You know, I, I've always loved being in front of the camera and I've always loved public speaking. Whenever I had public speaking opportunities in school, I was actually really excited for them. Did you take like uh, special, did you take classes in high school? Not till college, but whenever I had to give a presentation or anything, I was just, I was always really excited about it. I enjoyed it. And, uh, even as a little kid, we look back at home videos and I was always reporting in front of the camera from where we were, Washington, D.C. at seven years old. There I was. And and so I I always loved that for Christmas and Thanksgiving. I would put together shows for our family. And so I'd put my little brother and my cousin to work and I'd write out a script and have us reporting at a desk. And so I don't know how I ever thought I wanted to do anything other than what I'm doing now, because I look back and I'm like, wow, this makes a lot of sense. So I always was very drawn to it in terms of do I get nervous? So I get asked that all the time. Right. Speaking to Uh, an arena of 20,000 fans. And I think when I don't feel prepared is probably when I would say I feel nervous. But as long as I'm prepared, I feel good. And then I think also the initial the initial experience doing something right. So the first time I hosted for the jazz, I was so nervous before my first hit. Um, but it was like as soon as I got going, it's like this is this is what I love. I love connecting with people. I love communicating. So definitely sometimes nerves when it's something new. But as long as I know that I put in the preparation and everything that I need to do to be there, I feel good about it and I'm excited about it. And so where I would say I've really honed in my public speaking skills, um, it, for me, I did take a public speaking course in in college. Again, one that I was excited to, yeah. to, to sign up for. And 
um, really enjoyed taking. But for me, it was pageants. Um, mm-hmm. So I started competing in pageants when I was 18 years old. And uh, I was in the Miss America organization at the time. And for me, it was a way to fund my education. So I was getting scholarships and graduated debt free because of scholarships that I earned. And so uh, really, it was through that that I that I number one, I think, had it confirmed to me that I was good at public speaking and good at communicating because I, I remember my first year at Miss Florida, I won interview and people were like, where did this girl come from? Um, and it's just, it's because it's one of those things, not that you know, it's this natural gift that I never have to work at, but it's something that I'm just, I'm drawn to. And it's one of those, I guess, confirmations that I'm on the right track of what I'm supposed to be doing. So pageants really were really helpful for me. And then now uh, I miss Utah USA. So <laughs> that was going to be my next I question. But yeah, pageants really were a really big part of helping me hone those public speaking skills. And I think actually if it weren't for pageants, I don't know that I'd be doing what I'm doing now because Laura Rutledge, who's one of the, she's a big face at ESPN Mm -hmm. and she's a former Miss Florida. And she told me when I was kind of considering shifting gears career wise and with what I was studying in in school, she said, Mary Luce, I think you'd be really good at this. Mm -hmm. And because she would host Miss Florida every single year. So I saw her and to see someone that close who was so successful in this industry and realize, oh, this is a job I can actually do and make money with. I was like, okay, Hey, like, you know, if Laura says I can do it, sure. Um, and so here we are. So I'm very thankful to pageants because it helped me really identify this passion that I have for communication and also gave me the example of someone who is doing it. You know, it's I I love that you mentioned it. And I, I again, I wanted to talk a little bit more about this because, you know, I and I've told this story before, but like my my daughter decided she wanted to a pageant when she was like, 12. Mm. And I was like, no, no, no. You know, again, yeah. I come from this background of like, you know, we play sports. We don't do yep. the girly things. Yep. And, da, 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 da. <laughs> and like, and, and you know, and that's pageants and there's a certain, mm-hmm. you know, stigma around oh, pageants. Yeah. And then um, she did the same thing. She, I finally let her do it. I knew nothing about it. She had to kind of <laughs> talk me through it. But she went into the interview mm-hmm. and killed it and yeah. then won. And, and because, you know, I think she's been around her dad long enough to know yeah. how to give a, give a good interview <laughs> a or speech. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I love that idea yeah. for confidence mm-hmm. that actually that getting in front of people is a really big deal. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think when you do things that are scary, like I talked about the Grizzlies, right? Doing things that get you out of your comfort zone, I think it's it's so important. And how else are you going to grow? Like pageants for me have been such a catalyst for growth because I've had to really look at every single area of my life and okay, well, how am I taking care of my body, my mind? What, did, what is it that I stand for, that I'm advocating for? And, you know, at, at Miss USA, there's no talent competition, but in Miss America, there was so you know playing the piano and everything keeping myself accountable in that way um but yeah I just I I'm thankful for for the experiences that I have had and continue to have through through pageants but it's funny you mentioned that stereotype and I didn't compete until this past year because I was so afraid of pageants taking away from my credibility Mm -hmm. as a sports broadcaster and I I'm so glad that I got to this place where I was like, this is something that has been really good for me that I'm really passionate about. And 
being Miss Utah USA, being a sports broadcaster, these things aren't mutually exclusive, you know? So I'm really happy that I decided to pursue this. And I was so afraid of it taking away from that credibility, like I mentioned, but it's yeah. so fun to see how well-received it's been. My my uh, my play-by-play and color guy um, at KSL, when I'm on the sideline for football games, they toss down to me and they're, oh, Miss Utah USA on the sideline. They have so much fun with it. And it's been great at the Utah Jazz. It was so well-received after I was crowned. They had me with my sash and crown to have a little moment there. So it's really cool what I was so afraid of that it was going to take away really it's it's been able to enhance that and I think it's a cool message for everyone but especially for young girls that you don't have to box yourself into this one thing. You can be really knowledgeable about sports and you don't have to act like a guy necessarily if you don't want to act like a guy to be there you know like I lean into being a woman in sports I'm very different than the people that I work with and it's good yeah it's good I, I love that it, it sets me apart I think in a good way absolutely I love that you, you know it's uh, what you said about putting yourself in a box mm-hmm. if I could just package that up not in a box but like <laughs> if I could just tell that to every young woman that we meet yeah. like I love the idea I remember when I was you know I was in high school and I you know, my dad you're an athlete you're an mm-hmm. athlete and and so you know I'd playing sports, doing all this. And then, you know, my senior year, I was so burned out that I was like, I don't want to do this anymore, but I don't know who I am Mm -hmm. outside of being an athlete. And so then I was looking and I joined the choir Mm -hmm. and I was, you know, part of my LDS seminary. And I was just, I started doing all these different things that I, and I realized in that moment, like what you do is not who you are. Yeah. And and so I love this message to to young women all over and and not so young women. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that yeah. you don't have to put yourself in a box. Yeah. I want to talk more about this idea of you know you sort of being in a in a male dominated field. Yeah. And, and let's do that when we come right back. We're back here with Mary Luce Cook. Um, from South Florida <laughs> and is now home in Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're so happy to have you here. You are you're just doing amazing things for for the state and and really for everyone to look at and say, you know what, this is this is a woman who knows who she is mm-hmm. and is not afraid to be who she is and and to work hard and to use your talents, which I love. Um, I think all of us can learn from that. Um you are in a in a pretty male dominated uh, field, mm-hmm. although I will say that I I think things are changing. I think yeah. you've had some great um, women who have paved the way, 100%. and you're one of those 100%. that is paving the way. Um, you know, I look at Holly Rowe mm-hmm. with the Jazz. Um, I look at you know, there's some ESPN announcers mm-hmm. uh, that. I absolutely adore that yep. I prefer actually yeah. to to the some of the male announcers. Same. <laughs> and so I, you know, I I think things are starting to shift. And you you yeah. were talking a little bit about this idea that um, you know men maybe they they're auto, it's automatically assumed that they know a lot about sports, mm-hmm. um, and that maybe women don't. So right. talk a little bit about maybe that hurdle yeah. and, and, you know, some of the other things that you've had to overcome. 
Totally. So for me, where I really felt that the most was when I was first getting started and I was a student reporter at my university, Florida Atlantic University. And I remember times where I would ask a question and someone, maybe a coach would say, that's a that's a stupid question. Mm -hmm. Literally say that to me. And a male reporter student reporter as well, could ask the same, the same exact question, maybe framed a little bit differently, and it would be answered. Um, and so I think it was that kind of stuff. I I, I remember the, there was one time where I was asked, a or I asked a specific question, and I said, well, hey, you're, this guy did this in the sixth inning, and the coach said, he didn't do that. That was so-and-so. And I said, no, coach, I, you know, I have it here. And he looked at his sports information director and said, oh, isn't she wrong, essentially? And he was like, no. And so that that was kind of a turning point in our relationship, and it was good, and I have a, a good relationship with You're that like, coach now. Don't question me, buddy. But, but it I was, know my it stuff. Was, <laughs> it was a good moment for me to have that, I think, honestly, where I was like, okay, no. Well, you and know, the confidence to push back instead of automatically assuming yeah, that no, you were wrong. I knew I was yeah. right. That's yeah, the yeah, thing. I love it. So I think uh, just, yeah, having the confidence to push back uh, sometimes because sometimes it's necessary. I think you kind of have to pick your battles. And of course, being on camera, you have to you have to Don't make it awkward. Right. Exactly. A hundred percent. But uh, I, I think, you know, that was a situation where it's like, OK, you know, we'll turn off the camera. We'll re-record. It wasn't a live thing. And but to be able to have the confidence to stand up when you yeah. know that something is right is very important. And then I think there were so many comments I would hear that, you know, I was just sharing with you, you know, when we were off air here that I, I remember there was a little league baseball coach one time when I was there covering a game and he was just visiting I guess the just watching as a fan and he came up to me and said oh how much do you even know about baseball and I was like well you know I was the reporter of the year you know I hope a little so and it was specifically for my coverage of the baseball program yeah. so I hope a little bit to be You're able like, to cover do your it homework, so, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so um I think just learning to not internalize yeah. those comments and and really I was talking to some students earlier today but taking credit of the wins. When I had a really good interview, when I felt really good about a broadcast, remembering that, writing that down, what were the things that made it good and trying to carry that over into the future. So there are going to be naysayers. I think uh, you put yourself on camera, you're on TV, people are going to sit at home, um, you know, anonymously and type away and say what they want to. And so just knowing that that isn't a reflection of who I am and that it says more about them than what it's uh, more about them than what it does about me, I think is something that's really important. So, um, so definitely have had my fair share of experiences on the front end. But, you know, we were talking about just authenticity. And I think the second that I really started to lean into who I was and lean into the fact that, yeah, I am a woman in this male dominated field. And, you know, maybe I didn't play the sport, right? I didn't play football. I never played baseball past Little League baseball being the only girl on the team and I wasn't good at it. So knowing that that's not my role to speak, you know, as an analyst necessarily and say, oh, well, this is how he's seeing the ball come in, because I don't know, I, I, I can view it the same way that anybody else would on TV or in person, but I don't have the experience of being in the batter's box and, you know, so things like that, recognizing that I know what my place is, but really leaning into 
the things that make me strong and really good at what I do. So I know that I'm really good. I talked about people and connection and stories. I'm good at finding connection with people. And so I've had situations where say someone is, um, I'm interviewing somebody's mom. You know, it's a state championship game. The quarterback is there for the second year in a row, fell the year before. You know, how are his parents feeling? What was their message to their son heading into this game? These are real conversations that I've had with people. So just, I know that my my strength as a storyteller can be found in those human interest things and really leaning into that. So never trying to do too much. The things that I don't do, I'm never going to claim to know things that I don't, but certainly knowing that I deserve to take up the space there. And I think for, for me, it was just kind of a, a switch flipped and it was just enough of, oh, I have to prove myself. I have to prove myself. But just knowing I belong to be here um, because I know I have the skill set. I know I have the knowledge and just leaning into the strengths that I have. So yeah, no, that's powerful. And and really, you know, such great lessons for for anybody, mm-hmm. especially our young people, you know, starting a career, career learning where your strengths are, yeah. where you and, and be confident when you when you know that you're um, that, you know, you're able to do it. Yeah, and I, I don't know. It's funny. I so you seem very confident. You seem like that's sort of maybe always been part of who you are. You know, we we both talk to young people mm-hmm. a bit, and you just just today maybe talk a little bit more about some of the advice you give. It you know, yeah. there's a lot of mental health issues going on. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of of you know people not feeling confident and mm-hmm. and not knowing who they are. Maybe talk a little bit about your journey. How do you get there? How mm-hmm. do you help other people get to a place of confidence and connection? Mm-hmm. You talk about stories. Like how do you how do you help people through? getting to that point? Yeah. Uh, I would say I haven't always been as confident as I am. For one thing, I can tell you really middle school, my mom would describe me as a a shadow of my former self is the way that she describes how I was in middle school. And I know that's always a tough time for people. But I think uh, ways that I found confidence was finding things that I was good at leaning into those things. And so that's what I always encourage young people to do. Like, what are the things that you're drawn to? And I think that the more that you, you dive into those things that you're naturally drawn to, the things just doing things that you're good at and things that you know that you have a high ceiling for that maybe you may not be the best at right now, but you can continue to work at. Um, There's something about that that I think can really just help build confidence. And uh, you ask about advice that I I give to to young people. And the number one piece of advice that I give, and I get fired up talking about this, but it's the mindset of why not me? Mm -hmm. Somebody has to be the arena host for the jazz. Somebody has to be a sports anchor on KSL. Somebody has to be a sideline reporter for KSL or whatever it is that you want to achieve. Why not me? Um, When I was a little girl, I wanted to be the president of the United States. I've always had high aspirations. And I remember kids in my class saying, oh, well, you, you could never do that. Like there's only one president of the United States. Right. Well, why not me? Right. I mean, I don't want that anymore, but, you know, I'm very happy with what I'm doing. Um, But but that was always something my mom instilled in me. You know, and I think part of it just came from her mentality coming to this country, her family finding success here. Um, Why not me? Somebody's got to do it. And so that's the advice that I always share with people. Because I looked at a career like mine and never really even thought of it as something that I could do until someone looked at me and said, hey, you could do this. And it was someone who was already doing it. Right. And so I think just 
having that why not me mindset. The sky's the limit for me and for everyone that I come across and I can share that mindset with. So for me, I'd say that's the most powerful thing that I think has led to success in my life and will continue to lead to success. And I hope everyone can internalize that because... I mean, whatever you want to achieve, you really, you can. Somebody yeah. has to do it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love that, you know, especially for young people. Sometimes I think, you know, we we get in our little shell and, yeah. and, and don't feel like we can uh, get out or somebody else is better than me. We yes. look at Instagram, well, she's, you know, prettier or mm-hmm. happier or, you know, more successful or more outgoing yeah. than I am. So I love I love that idea of really leaning into your strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, you... I'm going to go a little bit back to the mental health. Um, We, you, I think we see a lot of young people not making connections. Yeah. I think a lot of folks and and not just young people. Mm -hmm. um, There's so many of us that, that feel like a a bit of isolation. Yeah. So I want you to talk about a little bit your journey. I mean, you came here to Utah first part of your career in 2020, no less um, in the middle of a pandemic Talk a little bit about how you've been able to build a, a community mm-hmm. around you. Um, how have you been able to connect with people? How how are you making that work? Mm-hmm. I was, I'm just assuming because yes. you're so radiant <laughs> and and you've and it feels like you've made a lot of you know you've built a community around you. So talk a little bit about how you do that because I think there's so many of us yeah. that are that are that are sort of isolating and not building those communities for each other. I love this question. And I want to just say on the front end of this that I really admire the work that you do for mental health. That was the reason that I I even reached out just because mental health is one of my biggest passions, one of the biggest things that I've advocated for as, uh, you know, a title holder in the pageant world. And one of the biggest things that my year as Miss Utah USA is dedicated to. So kudos to you. I I really appreciate that. And I'm so happy that we're, you know, we're so aligned on that because I, I, so, so many of the things that you are passionate about are the same things that I'm passionate about too. So mental health being one of the really big ones. So thank you for the work that you do. I just want to say that. Um, When it comes to building a community, I did move here at a very, very strange time. And despite working in sports for a conference office, I was really only working with about 10 people. And I was one of the only women in the office. I was the youngest person there. Everybody was in a very different phase of life than I was. And it was right before the pandemic started and we were working working remote for six months uh, before I even saw anybody that I worked with ever again. We were in the middle of a basketball tournament. The world shut down. And I was like, oh, be back next week. And I wasn't. We all know that story. We all we all understand how that went. So um, so for me, when you know when things started to open up again, um, I found a gym called Rebel House, and I I love working out. Mm-hmm. And I found a lot of other young women, young professionals at this gym who were also up at six a.m. who were also punching a boxing bag or going to cycling class, okay. and so that's where I found my mm-hmm. community. So love all of the people that I work with. Like we said, I do work in a male dominated field. There are more women popping up every day and I, I work with wonderful women too. But uh, but at the time I was working with a lot of guys and I really, I'm, I'm a girl's girl through and through and I, I needed some girl time. So to be able to meet people through the gym, that's really where I found people. And um, I'm just so thankful. I just took my 500th class at this gym the other day, which is so cool. But um, for me, just finding people that have uh, just similar interests, right? Who are like-minded. Uh, fitness is really important to me to keep myself, you know, he- healthy physically and mentally as yeah. well, just because 
my mental health is just as important as my physical health. And so to find people who also value that, friends that want to go for walks at 6 a.m. in the middle of winter, that's that's what I found through my community there. So the gym for me, and that's always the advice that I give to people who are moving to a new city, maybe for other people, maybe it's not a gym, but for me, that's what it was to really find my community. And then working in sports, especially when I started to work for so many different teams, I met so many people through that, which was really cool. Um, and, you know, everybody knows someone and I think even saying hey like I've seen your friend that does XYZ like would you mind introducing me I think just not being afraid to ask to to find connection with other people and being really intentional about yeah. making friends too you have to date your friends kind of it's it's so weird making friends as an adult in a new it city where weird. you don't know anybody but essentially yeah that's what yeah. I'm doing is I'm dating all these these friends yes. um, it's true <laughs> it's really how it's happened for me so I think just putting yourself out there the way that I met most of my friends oh my goodness I love your workout set that's so cute oh we should do coffee we should do brunch and that's how I've made a lot of my friends so no I think that's so important and I think people don't realize like everybody's searching for connection and yeah, friendship 100%. and whether you whether it's the gym that's so great mm-hmm. again it can be the gym it can be a congregation yes, it can yeah. be you know a, a service club yep. it can be you know whatever you're interested in and the, you're gonna find your community somewhere yeah. I, I love the thought that we can do that. What I will, what I, what I, my advice is always, please, please, please do not find your community online. Yeah. I mean, you can start there if yes. that's how you can find people or whatever, but like, please don't just hate pe- the same people online <laughs> together. No, that's the, that's the dangerous part of, of us being Isolated and social media can be very dangerous in that, you know, especially for young people. But again, for for everyone, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of older folks who feel isolated and don't have friendships and have pulled away from different service clubs or or their religious affiliations or whatever. And then all of a sudden they find themselves without a community. Mm And and then, you know, the mental health stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I, I just 100 percent like want to say amen to the connection between mental and physical health. Oh, yeah. Dude, I hate running, but I run. <laughs> I run for my mental health. Oh, same. Right. Same. Like, same. There's nothing that clears my mind like running. Yeah. Nothing like it. So like just do it yep. if you don't want to do it. Do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you exactly right. And like, I think people get in this, you know, spiral of like, well, I don't feel like it because mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not happy, and then you're not happy because you know, anyway, yep. it's, it's kind of a, a little negative spiral that people can get in, and mm-hmm. I can get in, and so it's so like, easy in the winter too. It's it's tough because it's hard to get yourself to go outside or to run on a treadmill. Who wants to run on a treadmill? I, it's just not fun. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's just it's one of those things you have to be intentional about it. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you get trapped in this. Well, and I have to say, cycle. like, if you're in, if you're in Utah, mm-hmm. there should be zero excuses for anything. <laughs> yeah, are you kidding? Because I'm telling you, like, so I, somebody asked me the other day, like, what's your what's your favorite season, or what do you like to do in the winter? And I was like, everything. Yeah, I I know people get a little trapped here and, and get worried because it's cold, and sometimes the inversion is gross. But I will say, like. <laughs> Get up in the mountains. Oh yeah, cross country skiing. Mm. Have you cross country skiing? Not yet, but that's actually. <gasps> that's, that. I'm going to try that. Yeah, when I it's say pretty I'm in half retirement, that's why because yeah. I can do that. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so if you do, I cross country ski. There's snowshoeing. You mm. can. I mean, just being outside in the winter is actually one of my favorite things. Oh my gosh, yeah, I love it. Uh-huh. I go. I go up on my mountain 
It's my mountain. <laughs> it's hers. It's mine. Um, by my house in Fairview. And I cross country ski by myself in the quiet. I mean, there's nothing more quiet. Oh my goodness. It's so beautiful. Anyway, oh so get outside. Yes. Amen. Get, I mean, for me, it's like, you got to get outside. I could not agree more. I mean, yes, gyms I are great. I agree more. You got to do gym, but like the more oh, you can get outside. hundred percent. The yeah. the past week I've been walking with one of my best friends that I met at the gym at 6 a.m. We'll yep. go either at six or at seven. It depends on if we're going before or after boxing. There you go. And we're like, wow, we feel like new people this week because we hadn't been walking just because it's been so cold. But you know what? We get our little hot hands. We get our, our gloves. We have 14 layers of clothes on and there is nothing like walking. And I have to tell you, this There's is my like little, this is my little secret. Tell me. The best thing that you can purchase is the warmy vest. The one that oh, has the little battery in a it. A heated vest. Oh, okay. You know what? I forgot that these existed. And heated gloves. Okay. I have heated socks, gloves, and a vest <laughs> that Spencer Done. gave me for Christmas. And I'm telling you, it's the best. Okay. The best purchase ever. Great. So then, no excuse. You just go out and be warmy, warmy. Okay. Well. I mean, we live in a world. That's what I'm going to do. Where you can be warm outside. It's 2024. (laughs) (laughs) Mary Louise, this has been such a great conversation and so powerful. And you are such a great mentor and example to so many in the state. And I love what you're doing. And let's keep connecting. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. You can learn more about Mary Louise and her career at MaryLouiseCook.com. Thanks for being a friend.